Two weeks ago, we started a new series called, What Are You Full Of? What Are You Full Of? And we started talking about the Holy Spirit. We started that two weeks ago talking about the Holy Spirit, and last week we had our family service, and so we talked about our words and those kind of things, looked at James chapter 3. So this morning, we're going to jump back into our series on the Holy Spirit. What are you full of? And as I said, we're going to be looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, what, who is the Holy Spirit? What does it look like? What is the function of the Holy Spirit? You know, when I say the Holy Spirit, what am I even talking about? Maybe you might even wonder what the Holy Spirit is. And so the first week, we talked about how whatever we're full of in our heart is what comes out. Right? Whatever's inside of us is what's going to come out. So whatever we're full of, there's going to be the fruit of that. And I use the illustration of like, you know how sometimes when you overeat something and you become full of it, all of a sudden that comes back out because that's what you became full of. And in the same way, spiritually in our lives, whatever we put into our hearts and our minds is what's going to come out. And so the challenge was, is what are you full of? Are you still holding on to things in this world and yourself? Or have you emptied yourself out and allowed yourself to be filled up by the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life? And we looked at three different things that the Holy Spirit does to our hearts. The first one is that he can take a timid heart and turn it into a bold heart. The Holy Spirit can take a timid heart and turn it into a bold heart. And the example we looked at was Peter, right? So Peter went from denying a little girl that he knew Jesus, right? A little girl said, hey, weren't you one of the disciples who followed Jesus? And he said, no, right? So that's how scared Peter was, is he denied knowing Christ to a little girl. And then after the Holy Spirit came and upon them on the day of Pentecost, Peter was now preaching in front of thousands and thousands of people, right? Because a timid heart had become a bold heart because the Holy Spirit had come and empowered him. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. The second thing we looked at is that the Holy Spirit can take a hardened heart and turn it into a passionate heart. Can take a hardened heart and turn it into a passionate heart. And the example we looked at was the transformation from Saul to Paul. Right? Saul, the man who, who hated it and was convicting Christians and, and, and having them be stoned and persecuting them. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his heart was totally changed. He went from having a hardened heart to a passionate heart. And he became Paul, a man who wrote a majority of the New Testament, and who we often think of you know, as one of the, the kind of the main characters in the Bible. So how could that really be the same man? It's because of the role the Holy Spirit played in Paul's heart and in his life. The third thing we looked at is how the Holy Spirit can take a dead heart and turn it into an alive heart. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Right? So until we come into relationship with Christ, our hearts are spiritually dead. When we come into a relationship with Christ, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now comes and lives inside of us and brings life to what was a dead heart. The Holy Spirit brings life into a situation that was dead. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the day of Pentecost. That's going to be kind of our focus this morning, is looking at the day of Pentecost. And also at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, 
uh, how each of us receives a prayer language when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, before we get into the message, or before we look into the day of Pentecost, we're going to set the stage a little bit by moving uh, to set the groundwork a little bit. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. So right after the Gospels, you'll find the book of Acts. And we're going to start right in Acts chapter 1 with verse 1. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them the commandment, Do not, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Right? So this sets the groundwork for what we're talking about this morning with the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke, who is one of the disciples, he wrote one of the four Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so at the start of the book, he greets Theophilus, just as he does at the beginning of Luke. And there's a couple different ideas about who Theophilus is. Some think he's an actual person. Some say that Theophilus just refers to the church as a whole, as believers. And so he greets them. But then he goes on, and he kind of starts to make a real quick, you know, reference to the fact that this is the second book he's written. And then he gives a short recap of the Gospel of Luke, very, very short. He shares then of how Jesus continues to tell them that there's another baptism, right, other than the one by water, right? They saw Jesus be baptized in water by John the Baptist. Many of the disciples then turned around and were baptized in the water uh, by John the Baptist. And so, but he says there's going to be another baptism that's coming in a few days, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then as always, the disciples, they were interested and they go, okay, Jesus, at this time, are you going to restore the nation of Israel? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he responds by saying, It's not for you or I to know the time or the dates that God has set by his own authority for when he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. So let's focus on verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, again here, what is he doing? He's reiterating what he taught the disciples in John chapter 14 through 16, that the Holy Spirit is going to come to empower them to become witnesses to all the world, starting in Jerusalem, moving out to Judea and Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. However, Jesus wasn't just referring to the Holy Spirit empowering the disciples in that moment to be the witnesses of the gospel. Who else was he talking about? He was talking about you and I. 
that we are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to become witnesses of the gospel in Chisholm, around Chisholm, throughout the state of Minnesota and around the world. We are being empowered to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As believers, we become empowered. And after sharing this with the disciples, he was taken before their very eyes up into heaven, to the right hand of the Father, where he still today continues to intercede on our behalf, to pray on our behalf, to come before the Lord for us. And so then if you continue looking in Acts chapter 1, we're not going to read most of that chapter, but Jesus told the disciples and Mary, his mother, and others, he said, go back to Jerusalem and pray continually for the coming of the Holy Spirit that I've told you about. Go back to Jerusalem, gather together, and pray continually for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's coming. And there was believed, that Scripture says that there was probably about 120 of them that were gathered together there in Jerusalem at this point. And so now here comes the awesome part when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. But first, I want to look at one quick verse. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Right? It doesn't say that they just went back to Jerusalem and they began to just hang out and kind of live life going, well, what are we going to do now that Jesus is gone? They gathered together and they spent time in prayer continually. The day of Pentecost didn't happen because a number of people just chose to mourn the passing of the Messiah. They didn't just choose to mourn that Jesus, even though he had risen from the dead, is now gone back to be with the Father. They didn't just sit there and go, well, now what? It happened because there was a number of people who believed what Jesus had told them, that there was a Holy Spirit that was going to come to them, that was going to empower them, that was going to do greater things than Jesus had ever done. Right? He said, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come because he's going to do greater things than I have. They gathered together constantly for prayer for the Holy Spirit to come. Can anyone in here this morning tell me how many days do you think they gathered together for prayer before the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost? How many days do you think they spent for tea? 40? Nope. Yes, 20? 50. Nope. Nope. It was about 7 to 10 days they spent in prayer after Jesus ascended and sent them back to Jerusalem. About seven to ten days from then until the time that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Because actually, Pentecost means the 50th day. The 50th day, but it means the 50th day from when the festival of fruits started. So you have to go back before Jesus was even arrested and all the Jewish festivals began. And the festival of fruits was the, the one that the time started. And so from there, if you do the math, you play out Jesus' life. And his, his uh, crucifixion uh, over the Passover and everything else, it comes out to, it was about seven to ten days after Jesus had ascended into heaven that the Holy Spirit finally came on the day of Pentecost. And why do I share that with you? Because remember, it said that they prayed constantly with one another, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. When is the last time that, that we've prayed for seven to ten days for something? Right? It, it, 
I, I, was, I was putting this sermon together and I go, I can't tell you the last time I spent seven to ten days continually praying for one thing. Right? That, that's me being honest and transparent here for a moment and going, seven to ten days, that's a long time. And it doesn't, it doesn't say they just prayed once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening for seven to ten days. It says that they prayed continually together with one another for the Holy Spirit to come. Right? This last Thursday was the National Day of Prayer, and there were some of us who gathered together at Chisholm Baptist, and, but that was an hour of prayer. Right? And for some of us, an hour of prayer becomes difficult. Just think of seven, eight, nine, ten days in prayer with a group of people believing for God to do something. Right? Imagine if, if we did that today, if we prayed for a week for something, what God could do. So here we go. Let's get to the day of Pentecost. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to start with verse number 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right, so we're going to stop right there and take just a moment to pause before we move on. I always try to put myself into the story. Right, when I'm reading scripture, I'm always like, what would, what would this situation look like to live in, to be in? You know, try to put myself into that situation. And so this morning, if you'll indulge me, imagine with me this morning, that all of a sudden, right here in our sanctuary, right here, Chisholm Assembly of God in our sanctuary, all of a sudden, there began to be the sound of a violent rushing wind from heaven that came and filled our sanctuary. And all of a sudden, what appeared to be like tongues of fire came and rested above each of us. If that's not crazy enough, right, if that doesn't seem like enough, all of a sudden, each of us began to speak in a different language that we don't know. Right, a language we don't know, maybe have never even heard, language that we didn't even know ever even existed, that would be a little bit crazy, right? Sometimes it, it may almost even seem a little bit weird, but I think about it and I go, I would love to be in a place where God's presence and spirit has fallen so much that all of a sudden the extraordinary begins to happen. Right? I think that would be amazing. But then at the same time, how do you think people around would respond? Well, let's look at how they responded here in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. If we continue reading, pick it up in verse 5, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Perithians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pampila, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, Ju converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazing and perplexed, they asked one another, 
What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So, right, all of these people began to assemble around this gathering of Peter and the other disciples and those who are gathered together. And and they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in these other tongues and they're showing up. Because people are are going, "We're, we're hearing our language. Aren't these a bunch of Galileans? How do they know all of these different languages, right? How, 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 does, how do one of them know a language from Asia, right? You think about we're in the Middle East, we're in Israel, we're in Jerusalem. We're a long ways away from most of Asia. How do they know a language from there? All the different people groups were from a massive, massive part of the world. Very distinct languages that had no similarities to them. And all of a sudden, those who were gathered together there began to speak these languages as the Holy Spirit was empowering them and enabling them to be able to do. Right? Again, it kind of seems maybe a little bit weird. But yet, it sounds amazing at the same time that all of a sudden, think about that for a moment. This gentleman from Rome who doesn't speak um, the language of the disciples, all of a sudden is hearing about the wonders of God in his own language. Right? He's hearing about the wonders of God in his own language. God is speaking through these individuals to be a witness of the gospel to people that they don't have the ability to talk to in their home. But the Holy Spirit comes in and empowers them to be a witness, to do something that on their own they couldn't do, but with the Holy Spirit, they're able to do. Right? There's things that you and I, we can't do in and of ourselves. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to come and to move in our lives, we can do things that go far beyond what we've ever imagined or thought we were capable of doing. Right? It said that, that some of them, you know, they didn't really know how to take it. They're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they've just had too much wine. You know, maybe, maybe they're beginning to get drunk and, and they're just babbling on about different things. Right? Because if you've ever been around someone who's had too much to drink, you know, they can begin to say things that don't make sense. Or they begin to, to, to just kind of make different noises and things. And so some of them begin to go, maybe they're just drunk. Maybe they've had too much wine. But however, we know that's not the case because this is how Peter responds. Continuing on in verse 14, it says, And Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? So again here, who is speaking? We find Peter speaking here again. Right? The one we just talked about earlier, who was afraid to talk to a young girl and say that he knew who Jesus was. 
Now, all of a sudden, the day of Pentecost has come, and they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're being empowered, and they're speaking in tongues, and people are going, are these a bunch of kooks? Are, are, are they drunk? What's going on? And Peter's going, listen up. It's not what you think it is. But especially as Jews who know the Old Testament, he says, actually, this is what the prophet Joel said in the Old Testament was going to happen. He was speaking to these crowds of people because he was empowered. He was being emboldened by the Holy Spirit. Right? Because I, I don't have any uh, problem seeing how the crowds would show up, right? Because when, when crazy things happen, when awesome things happen, what happens? People show up to see it, right? People want to see the things that are going on, especially when they're maybe out of the ordinary. People want to see what's going on. And that's the case on this day of Pentecost. It wasn't ordinary, it was extraordinary. What God was doing when His Holy Spirit was being poured out. For our God works in extraordinary ways. And one of the examples of that is the day of Pentecost. So Peter responds by reassuring the crowds, No, we are not drunk. As in fact, it's only nine in the morning. And this is what the prophet Joel in the Old Testament said. And I'm going to read that portion again. It said, In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Listen to this one. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. First, I want to point out, okay, Peter learned something from Jesus, and this is an example of it right here. Peter took something that Jesus often did, and he applied it in his life, and I share that because I'm hoping that you and I can take that same principle and apply it in our lives today. So what is that? Peter had people coming against him with questions and wondering what they were doing. And what did he do? He used God's word to answer their questions. He learned that from Jesus. Right? When you look at scripture, every time Jesus would, they would, Pharisees or anyone would try to come against him with different things, he would go back to the Old Testament and scripture and quote it and say, well, no, actually, this is what God's word says about this. And as Jews, as believers in, in the Old Testament, especially uh, the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books, the law of the Bible, they would go, oh yeah, that, that's true. That is what the Old Testament teaches and says. And so Peter learned that, and he quoted an Old Testament prophet here to come against the questions that were being asked of them in that moment. He says, this is what the prophet Joel said many, many years before this. And so then the question is, I go, okay, so if it works for Jesus, and it worked for Peter, it should work for you and I to apply the same principle in our lives of going, you know what? When people ask us questions, or maybe they come against us with accusations, or they whatever it may be, say, you know what? This is what God's Word says about this. This is what God's Word says. Because we believe God's Word is totally inerrant, that it's 100% true, that all of God's Word is exactly true. You know, it's totally true. And so Peter and Jesus did that, and I believe that you and I can, right? We don't have to come up with these elaborate answers for questions or things that people have. 
You know, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, actually, I don't know. Let me take some time, and I'm going to study the scripture and see what scripture says about that, and then I'll get back to you. Right? You don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have all the answers. We simply look to God's word and what God's word says. And then we use that to help to talk about what it, or to answer whatever it may be that they're asking about. Just a practical application for you and I this morning. So Peter shares how God is going to pour out his spirit upon all people, right? All men and women, young and old, servants and all alike. Peter said that people are going to be prophesying as God will show wonders on earth for people to know him by. And the best part of this passage, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I want to talk about that. It says, everyone. That means all people. All people who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? God, our God is not a selective God. He's not a God who's only concerned about certain people groups or races or ethnicities or certain economic groups. Our God loves all people. He desires a relationship with all people. Why? Because each and every person that's ever walked on this earth was created in his image, the reflection of him. God loves them, and he desires a relationship with all people. What does that also mean, then? It means that God wants to pour his Holy Spirit out on all people. Right? If God wants to have a relationship with all people, and he loves all people, that means that he wants to pour his Holy Spirit out on all people, that we may all be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One thing I want to I want to make mention to before we kind of begin to wrap up this morning, as I said earlier, is that there's a difference between the unique languages that the disciples and others who were there on the day of Pentecost spoke versus the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Right? So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. God gives us a, a, a prayer language that we speak in. And that is different than the gift of speaking in tongues. I know sometimes that can be confusing. I know I grew up most of my childhood and even into my teen years thinking that your prayer language and speaking in tongues is the same thing. And what I say when I talk about speaking in tongues is when somebody gives a message in tongues and there's an interpretation. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. That is separate and different from when you and I are baptized in the Holy Spirit, God gives each of us the unique prayer language that we can speak. Right? And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They began to speak in the prayer language that God gave each of them in that moment on that day. That's what's being described on the day of Pentecost. Right? They were not exercising the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Right? Peter wasn't speaking in tongues and someone else was interpreting it. They were just speaking in a language that God gave them that's their prayer language. And oftentimes it tends to be another language. And so that's what was happening was all these individuals in Jerusalem were going, well, how is that guy speaking the language that I speak? He's not from there. He doesn't know that. Because that was the prayer language that God had given them. And so I just want to take a moment and just clarify that because I know it can be confusing and sometimes hard to understand that. As I said, each of us have a unique prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us to pray in. There's been times in my life, this is just a practical example, 
where there's times where I don't really know what to pray or what to say, right? I don't know in my own ability what to pray or what to say, or it just I don't seem to have the words. And I just began to pray out in the Spirit, in a language that God has given me, the, the Spirit, the prayer language that He's given me. And at that moment, you're just saying, God, you're speaking, you're saying whatever needs to be said. Because right now, I don't have the words to say, but your Spirit is speaking what needs to be said in that moment, and the prayers that need to be said in that moment. Right? That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit, to come alongside us as a helper, an advocate, a teacher, someone who comes alongside us. As I said earlier, we don't have to know all the answers. Why? Because we're connected to the one who has all the answers. Right? So you and I, we don't have to know the answers, because God has them. It's our job to look to His Word. It's our job to spend time in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to help us to understand and illuminate things to us that we can then go out and we can be a conduit where God speaks through us, where the Holy Spirit speaks through us and helps people to understand who He is. Right? It's not your job to come up with the answers. It's our job to listen and to relay the answers of God's Word to relay what Scripture says, relay what the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our lives. So we need to bring the questions or ideas or thoughts we have before Him, and He will help us to find understanding. If you still have more questions about this idea of a prayer language and speaking in tongues, stuff, please feel free to come talk to myself or Pastor Laura. We definitely would love to talk to you more about that, because I know, as I said, it can be kind of a confusing thing um, to think about. And so, this morning as we begin to get wrapped up, I believe that if we're going to see a special move of God in our church, in our community, on the Iron Range, around the world, I believe today we need a fresh, new indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I believe we need a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it may not be extraordinary seeing like it was on the day of Pentecost, right? It may not look like that, but I believe that we need to get on our knees and spend time in prayer and say, God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me afresh. God, give me a fire and a passion to see your word go forward. Maybe right now you feel empty. You just feel like you're just running on fumes saying, God, fill me again with your spirit. Fill me afresh and new again today. Believing that God will pour His Spirit out on us today just as He did on the day of Pentecost. So I want to encourage you this morning as we're going to come to our time of close. We're going to have a song that's going to play in a moment. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you this morning to come forward to receive prayer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And believing this morning that God is going to pour His Spirit out on someone or multiple people here this morning. Or maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you're just saying, God, I just need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. God, I just need a fresh touch. I just, I'm just having a tough time right now. Myself and, and Pastor Laura and others are going to be up here to pray with you. You're always more than welcome to come up for anything else in prayer as well. We're just going to open up the altars as a time to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and move. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're desiring or longing for the Holy Spirit or more of the Holy Spirit in your life, I want to encourage you this morning to come forward for prayer, believing that God is going to pour out His Spirit this morning.
And then as he does, as God continues to pour his spirit out upon us, as a church and as believers, we're going to begin to see God do extraordinary things, not only here, but in our families, in our community, around this area, and eventually all the way around the world as we're empowered to be witnesses. Oh, God, Father, we thank you this morning for your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for those who have come forward and asked, Father, for the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and work in their wives, lives in new and powerful ways, God, or sat in their seat, Father, and asked for the Holy Spirit to come and work in their lives in new and powerful ways. God, and I just pray for those. God, maybe who for years have been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they're still waiting today. God, I pray you would encourage them to continue persevering in that prayer, to continue persevering after and seeking your Holy Spirit. We don't seek you for the gifts that come. We seek the Holy Spirit. Not for personal gain, but for the gain of the kingdom. That you would empower us to be your witnesses, Father. That you would use us in mighty and powerful ways. Father, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Father, in this congregation, in this community. Father, in the churches around this area and around the world. Father, we pray for your spirit to pour out. That we would have dreams and visions and we would prophesy of who you are. And God, you continue to make yourself known to us here on earth. All we have to do is look around and we can see your, your fingerprints all over the place of what you're doing. God, you're so evident in our world today. Despite the chaos, despite the disorder, there's no doubt that we serve a living God who is moving in mighty and powerful ways in our world today. So God, you continue to make yourself known. And Father, we ask that you continue to work through us to help point people towards you. To help people find the one who created them. The one who loves them more than anything else. The one who cherishes to have a relationship with them more than anybody else. Father, we ask for your spirit to come and move. Empower us, equip us, enable us, Father, to do the work of the ministry, which is reaching the lost, reaching those who don't yet know you, that all may be saved. Your word says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, may we never overlook anyone. May we never look at a situation and say, I don't know that that person is ever going to come to a place. God, may we just simply be obedient to what you're asking us to do. Because your word says that you desire for all people to come into a relationship with you. So God, may we never hinder that. May we never step in the way of what you're desiring to do. Father, give us that discernment and that understanding. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your spirit and your presence. We thank you for your word that we can look to, Father, that's alive and active. We thank you that we can apply it to our lives today. Jesus, I pray now as we go out, continue, Father, to empower us to be the witnesses that you've called us to be as believers of Christ, to represent you, to point people towards the cross of Jesus Christ. 
that they may come to find hope in you, freedom in you, deliverance in you, restoration in you, and more importantly, everlasting life in you. We thank you for that, Lord. We just praise you and give you honor and glory for all that you've done, all that you're currently doing, and all that you are still to do in the days ahead. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.